Welcome to the Marshall Pro Podcast and your short-form interview series catching up with, who do we have? We have our man, the Connor Daly, coming off his very first NASCAR Cup race, the number 50 Bitnile Chevrolet. Oh, the Charlotte Roval was not super kind to our man, Mr. Daly, but on top of being a literal gamer he is also a figurative gamer this guy will get in drive anything go absolutely balls out do his best but also try and enjoy try and learn not uncommon for connor to have the cartoon anvil hit him once twice or more than that in a motor race and that did happen at charlotte but thanks to him took some time here getting off a plane just getting home from the event uh, giving us the down low on what happened there in his debut so just a quick uh, quick episode here we do wrap talking about his 2022 indycar season a little bit hoping for some improvements that extremely hard-working ed carpenter racing team to move another notch up in the pecking order next season for connor and his teammate renas vk so let's get going here catching up with connor daly brought to you by cooper tires the justice brothers and torontomotorsports.com Connor Daly, I read a post from you after your NASCAR debut that said, other than two blown tires and a fire breaking out in the cockpit, like it was a dream debut. Who could have asked for more? Um, tell me, tell me about it, man. It seems like Sunday was just part of the ride. And I texted you on Saturday, not realizing you'd hit the wall, uh, just saying, hey, hope you have a great day. And you responded with a LOL, and I didn't quite get it. But then I saw you had a little issue, and I'm like, oh, well, that was, the timing was pretty lame on my part. But I don't know, man. Tell me uh, <laughs> tell me about your first NASCAR Cup weekend. Yeah, I got your text, and it was a bit of an odd odd time thing. And I was just like, oh, dear. Yeah. You must not have seen yet. No, but, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, um, it's, it's really tough because that, I mean, the cup series is obviously, I mean, that's top level, right? And it's, it's top level stock car racing. It's, um, I mean, everyone is really good. There's no, you know, you don't just jump in any, any team's car on the road course and all of a sudden, you know, do there's no days of where Boris said jumped in and did really well, you know what I mean? Or Marcus Ambrose and stuff like that back in the day, everyone's good. So, um, you know, we, we needed laps to get up to speed. Uh, you know, Kimi Raikkonen and Mike Rockefeller and those guys had done some test days at VIR and they got a little bit of time in the car before, you know, we didn't really get anything. And then the steering shaft, um, decided to not work. Um, there was a bit of a, an error in, in, in that system and, uh, lost all steering, which meant that we had to miss qualifying and I did about five laps before the race. So tough to jump into a situation like that. Um, but I mean, overall, like as the race went on, you know, it became more, more fun, definitely a race where. I would say you expect more yellows because when I watch NASCAR racing, sometimes you're like, Oh, there's stuff going on here, there, whatever, you know, you have the stages, but there really was probably the least amount of yellows I've seen until the last, really the last three laps. So interesting event for sure. But still, I mean, I'm still processing. I I mean, still trying to enjoy 
you know, the good moments of it and, you know, the last couple of restarts just to still be out there and seeing all the absolute chaos that was taking place was, you know, something I'll, I'll never forget as well. Watching, doing my best to track you in particular during the race. And I feel so proud. I watched all of Saturday's Xfinity race, although I will admit, and this is just being honest, I fell asleep halfway through, so I didn't bother to rewind, but I do feel like I watched most of the Xfinity race and most of your race switching back and forth between NFL Red Zone, but watching or trying to track your progress, it seemed like, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like you spent the opening laps, getting a feel, not wanting to do anything silly, be a good citizen while folks are going for the chase for the cup for the thing, whatever they call it. Then you started to dial things up a little bit, so you get past a couple people here or there. Then it seems like just some issues started to intervene, and did that lead you to dial back a little bit? Or, or tell me about that. It looked like a roller coaster, but was it a roller coaster? Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, never dialed back. I mean, we just – we kept dialing it in but uh you know we also started losing pieces of the car so that was that was a tough portion the interesting thing about this car and obviously the tire you see a lot of you know the tire gets a lot of flack um and to be fair i I have never experienced you know like the first flat left front i got was i had to pass um jj ailey on the outside and there, I, I feel like there was some debris out there as well. And as soon as I got onto the oval, the tire just delaminated and exploded. And I was like, well, that's, I feel like it should, I feel like it should be able to take a little bit more flack than that. I was, I was very surprised. And what corner? You know, that was kind of, what, what, what corner? it was through the, the last, uh, the chicane on the back straight. So JJ break a little too late. I got it, you know, on, on the left side of him was about to drive by him, got up onto the banking and the tire just exploded. So hmm. A bit of a weird, you know, a bit of a weird thing there. And and again, I had locked the left front a hair into that corner, but again, not something that I would have ever classified in any race car as like a detrimental lockup. Mm. Um, and so I, I after when when I went yellow at the stage again, I saw a bunch of debris out there, and I was like, well, maybe it was debris. Um, and I guess there was a big gouge in the tire when they found it. So it might've been that. And then, but then after that, like we were still on the lead lap, even though we had to, you know, tape the car back together and all that stuff. Um, car looked good, so by the way, I thought the livery yeah. looked good. I mean, you got, there's that. Yeah, no, the car looked great. Um, the bit now guys have done an awesome job being a part of this and the car looked awesome. But yeah, after the second stage, then I really started figuring it out. And Tony, Tony, your junior made good calls in the, in, in pit lane as well. Cause the car was getting better for sure. And it was getting kind of more what I needed. Um, and again, that would, that, that's only because we had never done a run yet on the tires. So like we had done five laps, but that wasn't really enough to tell anything. So, you know, we were finally adjusting tire pressures, finally adjusting some other, you know, chassis things that we could do. Um, and then we really started going. Cause once I got past JJ and then I passed Mike Rockefeller and I was like, all right, well, these guys, know what they're doing um and i felt a little bit better about where we were going uh i I knew that we were quicker than at least three or four other cars in front of us because i I had caught them before the stage ended previously and then again when i when i passed mike there was a big traffic situation and i had got under the brakes late into into the final chicane 
and just not like, I guess not as late as I expected, but just locked the left front and literally the, the next lap, the left front exploded <laughs> again, in the same place, like in oval three, four. So a, a bit surprising as to why that would happen. But again, I had never locked a tire in that car before. So I don't know what it can take and what it can't. So sadly it was kind of a bit of a rough learning experience. And, and again, that team had only run one road course ever. So, you know, we might've been way off on the bias. I went about 10 turns to the rear on the bias throughout oh. the whole race and never <laughs> locked the rears. So like we, we might've been not in the right area there. You know what I mean? But, um, it's just, again, it's stuff that, you know, it, it's, it, we're a small team. We're, uh, you know, and, and Tony does such a great job making sure everything's together and, and getting as much information as he can from, you know, from the folks that he knows in the paddock. And, Legend and of a guy. Can understand. Yeah, exactly. Legend of a love, guy. Love working with him, honestly. Super passionate guy. I mean, after the we had the failure with the steering, you know, he was, I mean, he was doing everything he could. He was filthy, covered in dirt, just working on the car, trying to make sure it gets ready for Sunday. And, um, yeah, there, there was a lot. But once... Yeah, once we kind of got through the tires exploding, the car, you know, the, the left front had a bit of damage on it. Um, but we settled into a really good pace after that, honestly. Like, we, once I got back out, um, we were running around with guys, you know, because we kind of cycled out into, you know, the middle of the pack. And, you know, there was Truex in front of me, Chase Briscoe in front of me, and Keselowski behind me. And, you know, that was 10, 12 laps where we were just kind of all nose to tail with each other. And, I, in fact, I thought we were faster than the 19 car so you know that was kind of a cool experience for me and then and then yeah we had a small fire in, in the cockpit which i had to pit again for so then we then we were kind of a little bit further back but still kept on going <laughs> any idea what caused the fire or were you just you know too sexy in there so no it was electrical because i could see it uh it was it was the the rear view camera um whatever the rear view camera is connected to just basically started sparking. And every time it sparked, it would set something on fire. And so like, there was a lot of smoke <laughs> and like an actual flame. And like, I could see the flame. I'm flat out in the banking in one and two. And I'm like, it's like, you're watching a campfire slowly, like get gasoline poured on it. And I was like, well, that's weird. And it was very sparky. And I was like, well, I think it's probably not great. Like <laughs> I told them, I said, I'm on fire in the car. And they were like, well, you should probably stop. And I was like, I, I mean, it's not bad, <laughs> but, but, but like, I don't know what's like, what's not a bad fire to stop for. And what is a bad fire to stop for? Cause I've seen a lot of cup cars catch on fire this year. And I was like, that, that doesn't look fun at all. There so, are grades of fire, which one should or should I not stop for? Uh, yeah. can I get some fans to toss them? marshmallows in in some chocolate yeah. and some graham crackers no what grade oh lord man yeah and and it was so you know eventually like i did stop and it's not like there was an open flame when i stopped but when my crew guy got in there to try to figure it out it would start sparking again and, and like almost setting other things on fire and i was like all right well let's just they, they ended up just cutting the wires um and so then i had no rear view camera the rest of the race uh which meant i couldn't really see anything but uh but after that that was our last problem uh the car was great car was fast we ran around you know with certain certain people that were quite quick i did a whole 10 laps behind almondinger had dinner with him last night and almondinger was like 
man, you ran me down there a little bit. I said, well, I mean, I had fresher tires than you, but it was, it was nice to, nice to be with uh, AJ there for a little bit, which is fun. So what do you take away from this brother? Obviously you've got a whole great IndyCar career behind you and in front of you. I love seeing you branch out again, not like you haven't had an interest or branched out and done things outside of open wheel before, but do you take this as a, Hmm, maybe I, I try and do some more road course races. If they don't conflict next year, do you have an interest in trying any NASCAR ovals in and around your activities in the, the Ed Carpenter racing Chevy? Where do you go from here? Well, I mean, obviously the only reason I was there is because we had a sponsor for it, right? You know, Bid Nile's been so super supportive of me. They've, you know, Todd Alton, all of his companies that are, that are under his umbrella have been um, the only reason I have, still have a career and the only reason I get to do all this stuff. So, you know, that, that's, that's sort of been a huge part of it. And, and they're using it for their business and it's, it's doing great things for them. So, you know, obviously as I, you know, I just talked to Todd last night, he's like, we want to win the Indy 500. We want to win IndyCar races, but he's also like, I would love to see you in NASCAR races too. And I said, Hey, that's great. Um, I, I'll drive anything anywhere, anytime. And, and to be honest, like with how little time that I had in that car, uh, literally just, I mean, there was essentially nothing. Uh, I, I felt pretty good about where we were in the middle of that race. Um, you know, th- th- it's never going to be easy, right? But if, if we were running, you know, stints where our lap times are, you know, top 15, top 20, that's, 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 that would be somewhat good. And that's like Tony, it was weird because I got out of the car and I was frustrated because I knew I locked the tire. It was my mistake, but I had never really been through that before. And they were all like, oh, you were incredible. Like it was great. And they were all so excited. I was like, what? Well, okay. All right. Whatever. But, um, I'm always really hard on myself no matter what, um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's a there's a there's a plan in the future potentially to to do more um, you know cup races, but it's very very loose at the moment. And I know there's a lot of talks. There, you're always close to doing something else in racing, as as I'm sure you know. We're gonna go ahead and announce Connor Daly's doing the double. Is there a triple? What else is going on? Uh, <laughs> what else can we get Sounds to aggressive. stand up for? <laughs> a little bit aggressive, but yeah. Well, no, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of interesting things we could do in the future, but uh, realistically, you know, the, the focus is IndyCar. I love IndyCar. I still have a lot I want to do in IndyCar. But if for some reason that sport keeps trying to spit me out, well, then I'll just uh, – maybe there's another route we can go. So who knows? Why don't we close on that quickly? Not the trying to spit you out part. <laughs> but 2022, interesting season, right, Connor, on the IndyCar side and – uh, interesting is one of my favorite words that I use when I don't want to say as much as I probably want to, but, uh, mm. saying less than more held a lot of potential for the Ed Carpenter racing team yourself and uh, full-time teammate Renus VK this year stood out to me as a positive one for you in that not only were you full-time with the team, which is great. But you and Lean, uh, Linus, geez. Well, I'd love to have, see if you had Linus there, but uh, I got Enos on the brain. Um, and we won't use letter P. We'll just stay with the letter R. Renus, two of you uh, seemed more often than not to be locked in the same place, whether you guys were running towards the front 
middle or back, whatever it was, not saying this was your whole season. It was at every race, but you two really seem to be on very similar paths for the majority of the year. I would say that is a positive thing, but it was also to me, at least a year, Connor, where if folks said, Hey Pruitt, predict where the ECR drivers are going to finish this weekend. I'd say, I have no idea because yours was yeah. one of the teams where it seemed like from weekend to weekend, just didn't know what you were going to have. Is that accurate? And how do you go about changing that? Cause obviously consistency is what makes champions. Yeah, it's tough, man. I think overall there's, there's, there's several things that looking at our season purely, um, purely surface wise, uh, awful. You know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no way around that. I mean, like we, we get it. Finishing 17th championship is not what we want. Um, you know what I want at least. Um, but I also look at several other people who finished behind us in the championship and you're like, wait a second, what Elio Castroneves finished behind me in the championship. Like what in the world's going on there? You know what I mean? Um, and I think when it comes to Renus and I like Renus is very good. I, I still, I will always stand on the fact that he's very good. And there were many moments where we were, you know, we drive the car very differently. Um, and we end up doing the exact same time in certain practice sessions. We do the exact same time in qualifying. Um, we just, we just need us. Uh, we, we have to take a step forward, uh, like at several places. There, there are several tracks that we are good at, right? So we, we know that when we show up to Indy, the cars are going to be fast, both at the Indy GP and the 500. Um, but I think, you know, there's always room to be better. So if, if, if we can improve our package at several of the other tracks, which again, are always the low grip surfaces, we, we struggle for mechanical grip. Um, that's why on new tires, max down force at Iowa, we can almost qualify on pole. Cause like, I love it there. I'm happy to hang that sucker out on the ragged edge. Um, and you know, again, same with kind of gateway. But we can't make the tires last because we just we, we we're not able to produce the same amount of mechanical grip that I think you know certainly the Penske's are able to on those short ovals and 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 others as well. So I, I think I think we're all pretty aware of that. And if we're not, well, that's sad because like I'm happy to admit you know my like the mistakes that I make you know in certain areas. But the team gave us you know a lot of great cars this year, and I think we all want to take that next step forward. I mean Ed wants to as well. Ed Ed doesn't want to show up at the ovals and you know, not, not be able to win races. So it's something that I think we're all very, very keen to do, but again, so is everyone else. And this sport is not easy. (sighs) Well, I hope we get to see you do some more NASCAR. Um, (laughs) I hope we get to see you do some more stuff. IMSA. I don't know, man. I love it when you're out driving and doing a bunch of stuff. So thanks, man. Even if you had to go through a little bit of a, whoa, that was a little different than what I'd hoped for on the uh, Charlotte Roval. Um, yeah. At least you survived, and it sounds like you uh, stored a ton of info away in the good old uh, mental bank there. So if nothing else, hopefully uh, next go round will be uh, a little friendlier. Yeah, and you know what? Let's just bring back sequential gearboxes everywhere because that was fun to drive again. So. <laughs> Just yeah. big old stick shift, sequential gearbox, small lifts, little blips on the downshifts. That's fun. <laughs> flappy paddles suck. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Anybody can use flappy paddles. Grant, anybody can kind of sort of use a sequential. I finally but... have bloody hands again after racing a car, so it feels good. <laughs> Look at that. Brother, thanks as always for taking some time. 
No problem. Thanks, man. Thanks, dude.